0: My name is Jonathan and I'm one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Um, (laughs) We've been talking this summer uh, about this series called Stories and we've been looking at some of the stories that uh, Jesus told uh, during his ministry. You might know them if you've read the Bible before, if you've seen uh, these stories in the Bible. uh, Sometimes they're referred to as parables. Well, a parable is simply a story and, and Jesus understood the power of stories, uh, but they're stories that he told, and, and what he did was he took something that was familiar to his audience, and he used it to shed light on something that was unfamiliar. Uh, these, these stories compel listeners to kind of discover the truth on their own. At the same time, it, it, it sometimes concealed the truth from those who were too lazy or too stubborn to uh, To want it to, to find out, uh, but the the important thing is that for those people who really wanted to know, those people who really wanted to search, the truth was there. And it was available. You know, nobody understands the power of a story more than Hollywood. I don't think. You know, uh, stories are powerful for communicating truth, for communicating values, and and you guys probably know, if you've ever taken uh, a date to the movies, you know it, it, it seems to, to be a common thing. Between the way a man views a movie and the and the way a woman views a movie, you know, you can sit there for two hours and watch the same thing, and you come out, and uh, the the man asks his his wife or his girlfriend, you yeah, know, what'd you think of the movie, and and she says, oh, it was awesome. You know that that job kind of represents the uh, the struggle of life and and the vanity of material things and and the meaninglessness of of everything, and and the road trip that they took together really really signifies our search for significance. Well, what did you think? You know, and the guy says, uh, I, I thought the car chase was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, we view stories in different ways and we see different things, But and that's kind of like the way these stories are that Christ told. Um, today we're going to look at one of my favorite stories. It actually comes from Matthew chapter 25, and uh, if you're familiar with uh, the New Testament. If you're familiar with the Gospel, you might have seen this referred to as the Parable of the Talents. Uh, before we go too much further, though, I want to introduce you to somebody. Uh, Randy's actually up here for a reason, besides keeping the microphone humming. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of introduce you guys to Randy. Uh, this is Randy King. Um, he usually sits back there in the in the dark corner. Uh, working on the sound, so you guys might not have a chance to meet him. But uh, Randy has, um, uh, well, I'll let, I'll let you tell him. Uh, why don't you tell him a little bit about what you do?
1: I'm a financial advisor, um, so I work with investors in meeting their financial goals and objectives.
0: That sounds cool, like something I have no idea about. <laughs> um, so basically people come to you, and they give you their money to invest. So in a way, you kind of you work for your clients, right?
1: Oh, by all means. I, yeah, I do work for my clients, and it's my responsibility to practice good stewardship with their assets, the money that they've entrusted to me to invest and in protect. Okay. So how does,
0: this, uh, how does this whole investment thing work? I mean, how do, you, how do you take my money and make more money with it, for those of us who don't understand those kind
1: of things? Um, building a relationship first, um, and that may involve a, we do a five-step process, finding out what your goals are, um, where do you want to be, um, can you get there, how do you get there, and then can you stay there, um, with your goals, and that may be different investments, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, um, CDs, and then we work to, Protect those, life insurance, long-term care. I review that plan periodically, stay in touch with the client, and um, just make sure we stay on track. So,
0: I mean, there's got to be some measure of accountability, too, right? I mean, if I I give you some money, is it reasonable for me to come back in 10 years and expect that you've done something with it?
1: And hope I'm still there? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, by all means, I have a responsibility to the client. I have a responsibility to my firm, um, to the industry, and ultimately to the government regulations. And um, so, yeah, by all means, um, I have to answer to that, and that's why I have to practice good stewardship. Good. Thanks. Thanks for sharing with us.
0: Um, this was actually more more than just a plug for uh, Randy King, Edward Jones Investments. Uh, <laughs> what You want to give the address before you go? I don't know. Uh, But if you have, (laughs) if you have, uh, certainly if you have questions about your finances, you can talk to Randy. But this also ties uh, very closely to what I'm going to be talking about today, too. And and as I was reading through this passage and thinking about what I was going to share with you today, um, I, you know, I got to thinking it really has a lot to do with what Randy does for a living. And it's kind of interesting that he used the word, stewardship, I, I didn't tell him to use that, but that's, that's the word that he chose, um, and, and that's really what we're talking about today, stewardship, or, or being a good steward, it's kind of an old word, it's not something we talk about a lot uh, in, in our current language, uh, but it's exactly what we're going to talk about today, and the big idea today, looking at Matthew chapter 25, the big idea that I want you to remember is this, we are stewards of his resources, and we will be held accountable. That's simply it. If I could boil this passage down to one sentence, that would be it. We are stewards of his resources, and we will be held accountable. Let's take a look at what this passage has to say. Matthew chapter 25 and uh, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant out into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As you read these parables, these stories in Scripture, and, and try to understand the message that Jesus is trying to communicate, it's, it's often very helpful. Sometimes it, it's imperative that you go back and look at the context. <clears throat> we have to figure out what was going on at the time. Why did Jesus tell this story in the first place? And, and for this story, you have to go back to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Jesus was actually with his disciples they were sitting on the Mount of Olives and uh, he was telling them about the end times he was talking to them about the end of the world what to expect what the signs were going to be what they could what they could look for and naturally his disciples had a question for him they wanted to know Lord when when is this going to happen and in response, he didn't, he didn't take out his calendar. He didn't point to a certain date. He didn't say exactly when this was going to happen. In response, like he often did, he told two stories. The first you might be familiar with as well. It's from Matthew 24 and 25. And it's called the parable of the virgins or the parable of the bridesmaids. Uh, he talked about the bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom and talked about the importance of preparation and being ready. And then he talked about this, he told them this story, the parable of the talent, or the parable of the servant. And what he was saying to them was not, you know, he, he wanted them to focus not so much on when he was going to come back, when all these things were going to happen, but he wanted them to focus on being prepared. And he, he told them, what he was telling them was, if you live right, if you're living the right way, it doesn't matter when I come back, you will be ready. And then he goes on in the stories, through these stories, and tells them how to live right. That's basically what this passage is about. There's several principles of stewardship here in this passage that I, I want to share with you. And in fact, as, as uh, Bobby asked me, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago, about sharing uh, one of my favorite parables today, I knew immediately what I was going to talk about because this is one of my favorites. Um, and I, I really kind of almost immediately had an outline in mind of what I wanted to share. But over the last few weeks, as I've read this passage, I, I started to look at it in a little bit different way. And uh, I told my wife last night, I'm a little bit nervous because it makes so much sense to me. <laughs> I hope it makes sense to you too. Uh, but before we before we get to that part, I, I think it really is important to look at just three very simple principles of stewardship. And, and like I said, you can really boil them down to that first, that big idea that we're, we're uh, stewards of his resources and we will be held accountable. The first principle of stewardship is that the resources we have belong to the master. Um, that's easy to see from the story. The master gives his servants the, the talents or the money as he's leaving on his trip. He didn't really give them a whole lot of instructions. Uh, according to the story, he just gave the money and left. Um, and, this idea that our resources belong to the Master, that, that's kind of tough sometimes. And I, th- I think it's especially tough in our culture where we talk about individualism and hard work and capitalism, and, and we kind of think that everything I have, I earned, right? You know, I work hard for my stuff. And, and we talk, I was thinking about it again this morning. Bobby even mentioned during our time of giving when he talked about giving back to God. Well, that concept doesn't make any sense. Unless you believe this, that the resources we have belong to God. So when we give, we're not just giving of of our stuff, we're giving some of his stuff back. The resources that we have belong to the master. The second principle of stewardship is that the resources that we have are to be used for his benefit. And, And this is really about living on mission. We talk about that a lot here at the Ridge, you know. God has, has gifted us in, in, in so many different ways. Uh, we, we even read that in the story that he gave to each man according to their own abilities. Uh, God has, has gifted us in different ways and different amounts. And, and whether it's uh, you know, our income or our abilities or our talents or our connections, um, we all have different things to offer. And we all are gifted in, in, in completely unique, unique ways. But all of us can use those gifts and those abilities for the kingdom. And that's really what that's about. Um, God didn't just save you to take you to heaven when you die. He, he wants you to be on his team. And even more than that, he wants you in the game. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about that thought yesterday. as I, I have, I've been looking so forward to the World Cup. I know uh, Justin has too. He's got his USA jersey on over here. I know most of you probably don't even care. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it anyway. Um, <laughs> you need to learn the importance of this. Uh, but I was thinking about that. You know, it, it's so cool to just be named as part of that 23-man roster. And uh, I was thinking about that yesterday as, as watching some of the games. And uh, some of the substitutions were made. The, commenter, you know, the commentator said this is his first World Cup action. And you think about, you know, it's really cool to be on the roster, and that's special. You have the jersey. You get to make the trip. But to be in the game, to have an impact, and that's what God wants from us. The resources that we have are to be used for his benefit. And thirdly, uh, we will someday have to give an account. And um, that's, that's pretty obvious from this story as well. Uh, the master came back someday, uh, seemingly unannounced. Uh, they didn't know when he was coming back, but he, he came back, and the first thing he did was call everybody together and, and let's see what they did. Uh, how many of you ever worked a job in retail? Yeah, that's what I thought. Quite a lot of you. Uh, if you have your own business, it's the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, what do you have to do before you go home? You gotta balance that register, right? Uh, We gotta count the money, we gotta look at the receipts, we gotta make sure that that everything adds up, that we have been wise stewards of the resources that the company has given us that day. And then every so often you have to do an audit, you know? Oh my goodness, my first job was at Foot Locker and I had to go in the back and count shoeboxes. Can you believe that? I hated that part of it. but uh, every once in a while you have to do an audit and do a, a thorough search and, and, and give an account of the resources. And, um, you know, uh, Randy was talking about that too. You know, it, it it would be nice if people just gave him his money and, and, you know, forgot about it. But that's not the way it works. People are going to come and they want to know, Randy, what have you done with my money? Because they're counting on that for the future. And uh, that's that's a principle of stewardship that... The resources we have belong to the master. They're to be used for his benefit. But someday we're going to have to give an account. But as I said to you, as I, as I read through this story over and over again for the last few weeks, I really began to think more about the servants themselves. Because, and I think that's particularly relevant because that's where we are. Uh, if you look at the story, we are the servants. And I think it's interesting, uh, you know, there were three servants, but they fell into two categories. Um, the, the Bible says, or Jesus says in this, in this uh, story that they were either faithful or they were unfaithful. Uh, in the story, there were two that were found faithful and one that was unfaithful. And it wasn't about the portion, it wasn't about how much they've been given. It really wasn't about how much they earned. It was about the proportion. It was about what they did with what they had. And I think that's, that's so interesting. And, and I, like I said, I focused my time there because if you look at this passage, um, you know, if you look at this passage in your, in your Bible or in your phone, we're kind of living right now in that little white space between verse 18 and verse 19. Uh, the master has, has come. He has entrusted us with his resources. And he has gone on his journey. He's in a faraway place. And we're kind of living in that little gap now between 18 and 19, not knowing when the master is going to return. We know he's going to return someday. And we know we're going to have to give an account. And so that's why I think this is so important. And I, I really began to, to focus on those uh, the servants themselves and and what were some of the differences you know what what were some of the differences in the mindset between a the faithful servant the faithful servants and the unfaithful the first thing that i noticed was that i think the uh the unfaithful servant was self-centered uh the unfaithful servant was self-centered and jesus said or uh jesus said in the story that when the master came back he said you know you, you are wicked and you are lazy. Uh, and that's, you know, that's certainly characterized him. But um, we don't know exactly what his thought process was. But I tried to put myself in his shoes. And I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe he just didn't care. Maybe it, maybe it did come down to just being lazy. Um, maybe he thought, you know, one talent or one bag of silver, that that's kind of insignificant. You know, this guy got two, this guy got five. You know, one's not very much. I don't have much. He's not going to expect much. Um, and so he just kind of forgot about it. Uh, I think that probably being self-centered, um, he thought about, uh, you know, today's not a good day. Uh, I'll get around to it. You know, something will come up, but the faithful, on the other hand, they were kingdom-centered. They saw the big picture. They saw how the resources that they had could be used to benefit not only the master, but you know, if you think about it, these guys were these guys were kind of entrepreneurs. Uh, they were visionaries. Um, they, uh, I kind of picture them uh, having plans and dreams ahead of time, and and just saying, you know, if I had the resources, this is what I would do with it. They were kingdom-centered. And, you know, you've heard that old expression, a rising tide lifts all ships. I got to thinking about it. If these guys immediately went out and started investing what they had, um, it probably made the whole community a better place to live. I imagine new jobs were created, new businesses were started, transactions were made, and it probably benefited the whole community, the, the work that they were doing with the resources that they had been entrusted so the the unfaithful was self-centered, while the faithful servants were kingdom-centered. Then the next thing I I think I I see here is that, um, and, and it kind of all these kind of tie together. But the unfaithful servant he really viewed it as an obligation, um, you know, one more thing to do. Uh, you know, gosh, I kind of you know, my, my my plate's kind of full already. Um, you know, what am I going to do? What, what what's you know, one more thing on my list, uh, one more thing on my to-do list that I have to take care of? Well, the the faithful really saw it, like I said, as an opportunity. It wasn't an obligation. It was an opportunity. And I, I think these guys were prepared ahead of time. They knew exactly what they were going to do. One version that I read says they immediately went to work. They didn't have to sit down and think about what they would do or what and come up with a plan. They knew immediately. They were ready. They were, they were ready to go to work. It wasn't an obligation. It was an opportunity. The third thing I see is that the unfaithful. Again, it all works together. The unfaithful was characterized by fear. Uh, while the faithful were characterized by courage. The unfaithful servant was fearful. You know, he even said that. When, he came, when the master came back, he said, Master, I know that you're a hard man. I know that you, you know, you reap where you haven't sown, and and I was scared. And uh, he was afraid to to kind of roll the dice. Uh, he was afraid that he would lose. Uh, he had this this attitude of fear, and 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 in the consequence was he decided just to play it safe. The other servants, the faithful servants, on the other hand, they were willing to take a risk because they were courageous. They saw this as an opportunity. They had that kingdom focus. And so they were ready to take the resources that they'd been given and roll the dice. Swing big. You know, swing for the fences uh, to, to dream big. And um, you know that uh, there's another old saying, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And I think that's what these guys were thinking. They were thinking, man, what a great opportunity. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, it's big, but we can, we can make it happen. They were courageous. And what happens... Uh, when, you're, uh, when you're scared, uh, when you're characterized by fear versus when you're characterized by courage. That kind of leads to the next thing on my list. Uh, the, the unfaithful servant, he was characterized, uh, he was paralyzed. He, he was afraid that he would lose. He didn't want to roll the dice, and that fear paralyzed him. I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to stay where I am. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to lose. Uh, I I just am going to stay put. And and the the story says that he took what he had and he buried it in the ground. But when when you're characterized by courage, what does that do? Rather than being paralyzed, you're mobilized. These guys were ready. They had the resources that they need and they went right to work. They were characterized by courage, and so they were mobilized when the opportunity came. Another thing I'd like to point out to you is um, I think the unfaithful servant, they were were focused on this day. The unfaithful servant, he was thinking about this day. And, uh, you know, take one day at a time. And uh, he was thinking... um, Got a lot on my plate. Uh, I I don't know that I can handle one more thing. Um, I think he was probably thinking. I've got plenty of time. You know, I don't know when the master's coming back. Something will come up. Um, But the the faithful, on the other hand, they weren't living for this day. They were living for that day. And uh, they had a future perspective. And. And. you know, I think this is tough for us because uh, I know so many of us in life, we have so much going on and with kids and job and work and sports and, and activities. You know, we tend to get so wrapped up in, in the urgency, the things that are immediate. And, you know, we wake up in the morning and we say, oh, if I can just make it through the day. And we rarely think about uh, working hard today even so that we can enjoy the weekend. Uh, we, we rarely think about working hard for the next few months so that I can take some time off this summer. But beyond that, you know, we rarely think, we've got to work hard now because the end is coming. But that's, that was the difference between these two servants. They were focused not on this day, but on that day. And, and everything they did, everything they did was focused on that one day. When the master is going to come back. And, and they kind of had that insight. In vision. This is what they wanted it to look like. And they lived in light of that. Consequently the last thing I'd like to point out to you. Is uh, as the story says. The unfaithful. They lost everything. The unfaithful servant lost everything that he had. Including fellowship with the master. You know the master said. Take what he has. And get him out of here. The faithful servant's. They were rewarded with more. He said, "Those for you who have been faithful with what I've given you, I'm going to give you that much more so that you have an abundance. But beyond that, he said, come on in. Let's celebrate. They got to live in fellowship. Well, the, the big idea, like I said, is that we are stewards of his resources and that one day we will be held accountable. So the big question then is, what resources are we talking about? How does this apply to our lives? And I know what you're thinking. You probably, you probably think you've got this figured out. This is another message on money. And to be honest, money is an application. Um, but it's, it's about so much more than that. You know, uh, I got to thinking, do you really think that God has blessed us financially just to make our lives more comfortable? I don't think so. Um, we need to think about how uh, we can use the resource of money to be uh, more kingdom-focused for his benefit. But in addition to money, how about time? Time is a, is a valuable and finite community uh, uh, resource. And I got to thinking about, you know, as I talk to people about um, getting involved in ministry or joining a life group or serving in this capacity, serving in that capacity. I've never heard anybody say, I don't have enough money for that. But I almost always hear, I don't think I have enough time for that. How can we use our time for the benefit of the Master? What about your connections? What about the invaluable resource that you have in your network of relationships? Are you leveraging those for the good of the kingdom? What about the resource that we have and opportunities? Have you ever thought about the opportunities that we have as a resource? Um, This worship service, for example. You know, as we look back over the history of the Ridge Church, we have spent almost nothing on advertising. Um, And I think that's kind of unusual for a church plant. Um, What we've done instead is we've worked very hard to make this event on Sunday morning, something that you can comfortably invite your friends to? That's an opportunity that you can have to make an impact for the kingdom. When was the last time that you invited someone to enjoy this community? What about uh, the opportunity that we have through social media? I know some of you uh, disdain social media and aren't involved, but I know a lot of you are. Are you using that opportunity... To draw people to Jesus or to push them away? Now I got to thinking about this. Uh, we, we create, uh, we use social media a lot and, and uh, we've talked about over the last few months the Connect cards that we've been getting. People are telling us that they found us on, on Google or they found us on Facebook and they're coming because of that. And that's why we invest in that. Um, we, we don't create Facebook events to remind you about church on Sunday. We kind of figure you know that already. You know that we meet at 9.30 and 11.15. The reason we create Facebook events is so that you can click, yes, I'm going, and click share. And in 10 seconds, you can have an impact for the kingdom. When was the last time you did that? Before you answer, let me remind you that, Google, uh, that Facebook has some really advanced analytics, so I already know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, how about beyond opportunities? What about talents? You know, I, I find it I always found it fascinating that um, certain versions of the uh, certain translations of Scripture refer to this as the parable of the talents. And it, the talent was a word for that you know that amount of money, but it can just as easily mean our literal talents. Um, could you possibly conceivably lead a group of people in a, a spiritual discussion? in a life group? Uh, Could you, do you have the the gift of hospitality? Could you open your home and host a group? Uh, Are you good with kids? Uh, Forget that. Can can you tolerate kids? Uh, We can use you. Um, What about uh, music? Um, do Do you have a story that God can use? Are you investing those talents for the benefit of the kingdom? Or are you simply burying them in the ground as we close i'd like for you just to to bow your heads and close your eyes and and i've got two two questions for you first of all i'd like for you to imagine what would this church look like if everyone here was living as the faithful servant if all of us grasped this idea of the resources that we have belong to the master. They're for his benefit. And we'll have to give an account. What would this church look like? For one thing, you have to start by picturing a different space because there's no way that we would all fit in this room. No matter how many services we held on Sunday. But the second thing I want to ask is is this. It's got to be personal. Personal. Which kind of servant are you? Are you the faithful servant or the unfaithful servant? Is there something in your life that you've been holding back? Is there is there a talent that you've buried in the dirt? You know, if you if you've been entertained today or or encouraged or uplifted uh, if we've made you smile or, or even if we've made you think a little bit, that that's good. But if you don't walk away from here changed somehow, what was the point of it? What is it that God's whispering to you today that you need to use as a resource? Man, if you don't know, just take this moment right now and ask Him. But knowing the way that God works through His Holy Spirit, I bet you know that already. I bet that he's already given you some idea of, of some place, some way that we need to change. And let's not leave today without doing that. Take that Connect card and, and leave us a note. Ask us a question. Uh, we will literally, we would stand here all day answering questions and talking to you, praying with you, and working through this together. But don't leave today without taking care of that. Father, Thank you for your unchanging word and and as we think about thousands of years ago with Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives and talking to his disciples and sharing this story and we know that it's just as relevant to us today as it was then. I pray that you would take it today, give each of us the wisdom and the sensitivity, give us the courage to take this story and apply it to our lives and we pray that that you would do it uh, what only you can do and that's change our hearts we can change our behavior but only you can change our hearts pray that you would use us as individuals and use us as a church and make us into the kind of people that you want us to be so that no matter when you come back we'll be ready because we're living right Christ, we pray amen